0: hello and welcome to our series career resilience where we talk with people about their career path and their career journey and maybe we can all learn from each other my name is jan daniluk and i'm a human resources professional in london ontario canada i work with Ford keist llp and i work with my clients to help them with the hr side of their business we hope that you will enjoy these discussions with real people about real challenges and real working life situations. Welcome. And today I have Dr. Sarah Panton with me. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much.
1: It sounds like a really interesting project that you're doing here.
0: So this has sort of two parts. The first we talk about your career, and the second we talk about career resilience. So can you tell us about your current role? So currently
1: I work as a clinical psychologist at Gilmore Psychological Services here in Ottawa. So I see a variety of adult clients here, a lot of anxiety and depression, um, and some other, particularly uh, things around work issues, work transitions, and career resilience. So this is a matter which is pretty pertinent to me and of great interest. Okay. Now
0: you're a doctor. You have what uh, schooling for, for psychology? A lot. (laughs) Um, So basically, we do a BA. And then what I
1: did was an MA, PhD combined here at the University of Ottawa. Um, And then we have a considerable amount of kind of training on the job, as it were, like a residency. Um, So by the time we're finished, we've had many years of training.
0: So what was your, your thesis when you were going through? Well, it was actually, it was
1: very interesting. I felt, yeah, I started off doing one thing and then I realised that it wasn't something that really spoke to me. And to get through a PhD, you do need to have something that at least initially speaks to you because it won't speak to you after three years. So what I got involved with is somebody who was doing, um, who was looking at provision of care to people in foster care. And he developed an instrument which assessed annually these um, youth who were in care and looked at it in relation to various outcomes. And one of the outcomes I was interested in was educational outcomes. Mm. And one of the things that particularly struck me about it was that for each school move, you lose on average half a year of education.
0: Now, did you always want to be a psychologist? Did you know that was your career path from the time you were young and in school yourself? No. So I
1: started off thinking that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I was watching way too much TV, obviously, at the time, and I thought that it was just high heels, eating nice lunches and getting in and out of cabs. What's interesting about it, you know, when you think about career resiliency, is that when you're down that kind of rabbit hole, you have no idea really what the skill set is that you have. Because all you think about and all you see when you look around is other people just like you. So you assume that all you can do is something just like them. And I think, you know, I got to this place and I assumed that I had to make a massive change, which I did do. It couldn't really get much more massive than a PhD in something completely different. But... When I think about what, I love my job at the moment, but when I think about what would have interested me, there was a huge amount of stuff in between those two jobs that I think I would have really liked. And if I'd have been able to talk to somebody at that point, I think I would have been able to really appreciate the broader skills that I had rather than thinking more about
0: the day-to-day. So, were you? You were a practicing lawyer for a period of time. Yeah, it was, and where was that? That was in London, England. Because yeah, I can certainly pick up that you have yeah. a, a Canadian yeah. accent mixed with something else. So, yeah, it's hard to lose the something else. Yes. <laughs> so, what was it like, though, for you when you realized? the path you were on was not the path you wanted to be on. How did you feel about that?
1: Not great, to be honest, um, because by that time I'd put a lot of training into it. I was kind of six years out of articling. And I think one of the things when you come up against that is to seek, reach out, seek help as early as you can, because what, of course, can happen is that as you kind of realize it's not for you often your mood can slip and at that point you're not confident enough to make the changes you need to change fortunately there were people in my life who helped me to make that transition but there's there was definitely a feeling that there's a kind of a crucial tipping point and I also see that in you know clients or indeed friends who are making big life choices that there is a point at which you probably do need to jump or you need and or you need somebody in your life who can remind you of the broader horizon. That it's okay to make the jump. It's okay to make the jump. It's, it's going to turn out okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are different paths, there are the different doors we can walk through, but in the end, they're all probably going to be okay. Yes. I'm not big on regret.
0: But that's quite a jump from law to psychology but i do think the one would inform the other in many ways oh
1: absolutely when i think more broadly i realize that they're both helping professions
0: mm-hmm. that
1: they're both there's always a problem to solve there's a there's a nugget in there somewhere and that's what i think a lot of when you know when we're unraveling stuff and talking about people's experiences in session that there is a nugget in there mm-hmm. there's always something to to sort out whether it be how somebody feels in a certain situation or how somebody deals with a boss or, a ch- you know, a relationship. There is always a nugget. Yes, And yes. what I love is unraveling nuggets, and I love doing it with other people. Yes. So both, both kind of jobs actually in some ways did the same thing.
0: Yes. You know, I coach people all the time of all ages about their careers, And some people will say to me, you know, I'm 30 years old and my career hasn't started. Right. Wait a second. You've been working for 15 years at various jobs and your career started the minute you walked into your first employer and you learned something the first time you walked in. You've you've been working and you have a career. And yet there's some sort of embarrassment there.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, whether we link it to a kind of a more central idea of who we are Mm -hmm. and think of these experiences as just a kind of a giant portfolio, whether it be my first paper round or when I worked as a strawberry picker or when I worked in a pub or -hmm. all these different things, we collect experiences. But what we learn a lot about is dealing with people,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: dealing with people and getting in and out of situations that we either do or don't like
0: yeah but it's your own career mosaic um i wanted to switch to back to your profession for a moment and i i wonder if we don't like the idea of a psychologist solving our life problems for us and sort of having that expectation so for example i can tell you that I once told my daughter that if she listened to everything I said she would have a perfect life and I sort of look at a psychologist and I think I just want to sit down with that person tell them my problems and they're going to tell me the answers but that's not how your work works no it's not
1: I mean that that would be a very different, we'd be writing basically a prescription then for that person. And there are people who write prescriptions, but they're not us. I mean, what the whole point of being a psychologist is to help that person to develop those skills for themselves. And If you went to a psychologist and said, I'd just like a 2021 version of myself, please, it wouldn't stick because it doesn't have enough of you in it.
0: Okay. You mean commitment?
1: No, I just meant it's not yours. You don't own it. It's like when you go out walking around in somebody else's clothes and you feel, well, I look great today, but they're not my clothes.
0: Hmm. Okay. So how long does the average person, if there is an average person, spend owning it with you?
1: As you kind of implied, all sorts of different lengths of time. Um, So I work generally within cognitive behavioral or schema based approaches and those are basically shorter term therapies. Um, So initially somebody might come for 10 or 12 sessions, depending on what they wanted to work on. What we do find is that people may return now and again because if you think about coming back again to that idea of resiliency, the various parts of our life, you know, one can go off kilter. Mm -hmm. And although somebody might have had a very successful piece of work with a psychologist, what they may need is just kind of really a kind of a dust off and just helping to walk off down the street again. Mm
0: -hmm. It really
1: is. It can be very short. Sometimes people just come for a couple of booster sessions. Sometimes it's a complete different part of work, as we would describe it, that they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's let's switch over to career resilience. And you and I, in prepping for this conversation, thought it might be uh, helpful to talk a bit about work and personal life and melding those two. Mm-hmm. But so what are your thoughts? Um it's very interesting,
1: the idea of these kind of dual tracks. Um, I think that you have to be enough of yourself in both places. So it, if it's a different version of you at home or at work, that is going to require a lot of emotional energy probably to support. That doesn't mean it's not appropriate to have boundaries. But it means that, eat, like I was talking about putting somebody else's clothes on, In certainly when you're in the workplace, I think to have resiliency over time, there has to be enough of you in there. And I'm not talking about giving away particularly personal information, but you have to be you in the workplace. Now, the idea of how you jump from one track to the other, of course, is much more difficult now when we're working from home. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, for some people, we've talked about having a kind of a buffer in terms of maybe taking a reverse commute that they actually go for a walk for 20 minutes before they start work and they have a walk as they finish work, because that buffer time, if we do actually literally jump from one track to the other, Our brain doesn't do that well with that. So we I've talked with many people about, you know, how you shut up shop in one place and move to the other. So particularly for people with high levels of anxiety, that process of leaving work is quite an important one.
0: Do some people though not feel safer in the work environment than they feel in the home environment? So work is becomes their their place to go to. Oh, absolutely. It's Uh, it's a place to go to. It's
1: a much more known world. You know, I've heard people saying, I just can't wait to get back to work and actually have, you know, get a Starbucks on the way and have time to drink it. Because their home life just doesn't allow them that kind of space. Yeah, the great thing about work is it's something we know how to do. People hopefully are reasonably polite to us. They appreciate us if we're in a good workplace. And it doesn't always have the complexity that our home life will have. Mm -hmm. It has much more manageable relationships. And if it doesn't, then there's hopefully an HR department to sort that out.
0: (laughs) Right, that's true. Um, You mentioned something about looking at the balance, like regardless of COVID and regardless of remote work and so on. But just sort of looking at the balance between the, the, the two lives that we almost lead. But now one has melded into the other with mm. so much more.
1: And it's, it's very interesting who is missing being in the workplace. I've had many introverts who've commented, I would have thought that I would be totally happy working at home. But in fact, you know, some of them have commented that it's those more casual friendships of saying hello, feeling noticed and recognized by their office community, that are actually really important to them. It is that five-minute conversation with somebody. Yeah. And that's been kind of quite a revelation, I think, to some people, how much they value that kind of casual,
0: proximal relationship. Yes. And so is there a difference between extroverts liking that interaction in the office and introverts liking that interaction in the office? I think it's... They probably get
1: different things out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the extrovert will maybe will invest in those friendships more and will experience those friendships very differently.
0: Is there anything else that you want to add or tips or techniques related to career resilience? I think the only, so I think that idea of
1: being able to pick up a thought and put it down and how you do that. It's all learning.
0: Yeah. It's all a learning experience. Isn't it? The whole life journey. It is an interesting journey that we are all on. That is for sure. And, um, Uh, I just thank you, Sarah, for spending You're so welcome. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, I've had so much fun. And to our viewers and our listeners, thank you so much for joining Sarah and me today. We've really appreciated having you with us. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And until we meet again, thank you.